Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 333 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Jeremy Green. Hey, everybody. And Eric Dietrich. Hi, everyone. And I am Ruben Lerner. And this week, we are going to talk about having a booth at a conference. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Basically, and I'll get into this more as we talk about it, um, but I recently had a booth at a conference and I found it to be an absolutely positively fascinating experience. Um, one that I learned a lot from, one that I got a lot of leads from, and one that taught me a ton about sort of how conferences work behind the scenes, not the attending and listening parts, but the advertising parts and the money parts and why you might or might not want to do this. Um, and I, I'm, I'm definitely doing it again. I'll give you the bottom line right there, uh, but we can go into much, much more detail. So I guess, I guess since I'm talking about this, I'll, I'll set the stage and then you guys can start peppering me with questions. Um, so as you might know, I think I've mentioned in past shows, uh, one of my goals over the last year or two has been to break more into the US and to some degree the European markets. Um, and that's for the very simple reason that Israel is a very small country and the budgets in those countries are bigger. So I can basically do the same training and charge much more. Um, and I've had some success going there, but not a ton of success. And I decided the time was right for me to do this. So uh, I do mostly, mostly Python training and the main Python conference each year is surprisingly enough called PyCon. And last year it was in Cleveland, Ohio in the US. And there are many, many Python conferences, but this is like the biggest and the best. And um, I didn't get any of my talks accepted, which is not surprising given that they have so many talks that are proposed. And I thought, okay, if I can give a talk at the conference, this was last year, then people will discover who I am and then I'll be flooded with requests for training. Okay, so I did not get my talk accepted. I was like, well, what can I do to get known? I know, I will go around and tell everyone who I meet that I do training and I got new business cards printed up and I even went one, one step further than that, which was I went around to all the booths that were there of advertisers, and I introduced myself at each one of them, and I offered my training services. This went over like a lead balloon, meaning <laughs> no success whatsoever. And quite frankly, now that I've seen it this year, like I can understand, you're trying to sell, you're trying to talk to as many people as possible, and this numbskull comes up to you and takes your precious time away selling his thing. How annoying. So don't do that. I did that. Don't do that. Also, it wasn't effective, right? So like, don't do that for that other reason. But I did <laughs> notice that there was someone who was doing not exactly training services, but something sort of like what I do with my online uh, weekly Python exercise. And they had a booth. So just to give you the structure of PyCon, it starts Thursday night. Um, and then there's Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday, you have what's called the job fair, which is, as you can imagine, like where people have booths where they're offering jobs. And at the jobs fair, you had these people doing sort of Python training and courses, and they had a booth and they were mobbed. And I was like, that is what I need to do. I need to get myself a booth <laughs> and I need to get mobbed. And then out of that, I can sell lots of stuff. So the planning for this year's PyCon basically started a year ago and planted the seed for what I wanted to do. Um, and that was get a booth at the job fair. And like, so I'll be there for three, four hours. So um, I guess it was like, if PyCon was in, we're, we're now in late May as we record. So it was a little less than a month ago. It was in early May of this year. Um, so it was probably in like November or December that the first calls went out for people who want to advertise at PyCon. Now, simultaneously, I was uh, proposing talks 
But I figured, okay, I'll propose a talk and I'll go for a booth. The booth obviously is going to be accepted because everyone's money is good. And I wanted a booth. I, I decided to do two things. I decided to sponsor what's called the PyCon Educational Summit, Python Educational Summit. And I also decided to get a booth at the job fair. I was like, okay, this way people will know who I am. Um, and that cost, just so you know, like a few thousand dollars. I think I spent about $4,500 between the sponsorship and the job fair booth, something like that. And that gave me a free ticket to the conference. But, you know, <laughs> what's $400 if you're spending $4,000 already? Um, <laughs> and my plan was go there and talk to people. And at some point, I emailed the PyCon administrators and I said something about my booth. And they wrote back and said, what are you talking about? You don't have a booth. You have a table. And I was like, what's the difference? <laughs> like booth, table, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to be standing there. People are going to be coming up to me. And then they were like, wait a second. Why do you have a table at the job fair if you're trying to sell your courses, your online and your in-person courses? That doesn't make any sense at all. I was like, well, it's because I'm a cheapskate and I'm new at this and I just want to be mobbed like those guys last year, although I didn't mention like the last <laughs> part there. And basically the administrator PyCon said, listen, you've already spent a lot of money on advertising. I can make you a deal and give you a bit of a cut rate. Um, and why don't you become a gold sponsor of the conference? And then you'll get a booth Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and at the job fair. I was like, oh. So I added a bit more money. <laughs> I had a few thousand dollars there. And then I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> right, so now I know that I'm gonna have this booth. And that's when I decided, okay, what am I gonna be pushing? And I really like thought a lot. I talked a lot to my wife and some other people about it. Like, how do I wanna be pushing this? What do I wanna be advertising? I basically realized that I'm pushing two, maybe three different things. One thing is my frontal training courses that I do at companies. A second thing is my general online courses. And a third thing is weekly Python exercise, which truth be told, I really, like that was the thing I really wanted to have come out of there. And so I did the uh, sponsorship under the weekly Python exercise logo and name. Um, and I talked to people about that. So what was involved with this? Well, first of all, like besides the money, and I should say the woman in charge of like PyCon administration stuff was unbelievably helpful and amazing. Like every question I had, she answered right away. At some point she said, look, you've got too many questions. Let's just go on the phone. And we got on the phone and <laughs> she was super patient with someone as questioning as me, who was like super naive about this. So... Um, I'll get back to, to, to my conversation with her in a moment, but basically my wife had the point, all right, you're gonna have this booth. What are you giving people? I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna give them flyers about, again, I planned to print up flyers. Indeed, I went to Upwork and I uh, got a flyer design and it went through a whole bunch of iterations until I was really happy with it. Um, actually, I'm really, really happy with a flyer, fine. So I got the flyer designed, great. And my wife was like, what are you gonna give out? Maybe you should give out coffee mugs. I said, no, no, no one wants coffee mugs. She said, what about pens? I said, okay, no one wants pens. And then I said to her, maybe t-shirts. And my wife was like, oh yes, you nerds, you do love your t-shirts, don't you? <laughs> I was like, right, t-shirts are like, they're, they're a, a nerd magnet, right? If I'm giving away t-shirts, everyone's gonna want them and it's gonna be great. So that's when I started looking online for, okay, what, how do I like order t-shirts? How do I design t-shirts? And so I actually found, I found a few companies that do that at the, uh, I, I guess not the last moment, but like I found this company called rushordertees.com and I went and designed the t-shirt and I played with it a little bit with the weekly Python exercise in front and like a little slogan on the URL on the back and it looked like it was going to be great. And then there's the question of, okay, like how many do I order and how much is this going to cost me and how do I get them to the conference? So then I had my, my conversation with Betsy, with the PyCon administrator, who again was super helpful. And she said that as a gold sponsor, I could actually put flyers in everyone's bags. I was like, oh, that is great. I'm totally gonna do that. She said, don't do that. No one looks at the printed things in the bags. They're just gonna like dump them out into the recycling bins. Please don't waste your money or our time with the stuffing. By the way, I regret not having done it, but I took her advice. <laughs> I did take her advice and I only printed up, so there were 3,500 people signed up for PyCon. I printed up about 2,500 flyers and had them sent to my hotel, more on this in a moment. And um, I did not stuff them into people's bags and very, very few people, not very few, but like probably maybe a thousand people picked them up. I printed them on really heavy stock. So, and they were like, they were beautiful, no doubt about it but I wasted a lot of money on flyers that no one ever picked up. And because they had special coupon codes and everything for PyCon, um, I couldn't reuse them. Okay, oops, fine, live and learn. 
Um, and then I asked her about t-shirts. She was like, oh, t-shirts are a great idea. I said, how many should I print up? She was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I said, okay, you must know, like, you know, people come to the conference. So this is the one thing she couldn't tell me, but she did tell me that I should definitely print up women's t-shirts in addition to men's t-shirts. Because she said there are plenty of women at the conference. She said, not as many as we would like, but plenty of women. And um, and they get really disappointed if you don't have women's size t-shirts. Um, by the way, I mentioned this to my family. Like my, my, I have two girls and a boy, and they're in a youth movement. They're like in the Israeli scouts, and they're constantly making t-shirts. And my girls were like, really? In America, they have women's shirts? Oh, like so this seems to be not a universal thing. In any event, so I ended up ordering 1,100 t-shirts. Um, and I decided, okay, it's in America. And we're talking programmers, and we don't know if they're going to run small. So I only got medium, large, and extra large shirts um, and had them. And, and so then the question was, like, how do I get them to the conference? And when I signed up as an advertiser, there was this whole form saying, well, if you want to get things to your booth, you'll have to pay XYZ for the union to deliver it on, like, before the conference. And you have to pay this after the conference because it's on Sunday. And your booth will cost this much. And basically, the costs started exploding in my eyes. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, it's going to cost me uh, like thousands to get this sponsorship and thousands to get the t-shirts. And then I have to pay thousands more to have like someone build my booth and take apart the booth. Luckily, Betsy from PyCon was very calming. And she said, no, you have to pay them. Like after you pay the sponsorship, you pay for nothing unless you really want to. First of all, she said, you can pay them to sweep or vacuum your booth every day. You don't have to do it. You could not do it. Or you can buy a broom. You can send stuff to their warehouse and have them and pay that for that, and then have them like pay them to bring it out to your booth. Or she said, you can have it delivered to your hotel and bring it over in a rolling suitcase. And she had all these really like smart ideas. She said, I've worked with small companies in the past for many years. She ran O'Reilly's conference, as she said, for something like 15 years. So she has a lot of experience dealing with companies and stuff. And so indeed, I ordered the t-shirts from Rush Order Tees. Um, and I had them all sent. Like I said, I needed them to get to my hotel room by May 1st. Um, by the way, additional note, as I was doing the checkout process on RushOrderTees.com, they, um, like there's a little chat bot. And the chat bot says, hey, don't order before checking with us. Maybe we can save you money. And at first I was like, oh, I hate these gimmicks. Then I said, why am I being stupid? I can save money. <laughs> so I, um, I clicked on the little chat bot and I got to someone there. And they were like, hey, we have such and such a T-shirt in stock and we have extras of them. So we can give you, instead of like a combination cotton polyester shirt for, I think it was a total of like $6,000, we can knock about $500, $600 off that price and get you all cotton T-shirts. I was like, sure, that is great. So they actually were really, really helpful. And we scheduled it to arrive at my hotel on May 1st. I sent a note to my hotel saying, you will be getting a bunch of packages. Please put them in my room. And so sure enough, on May 1st at night, I got there close to midnight, I got to my hotel room, I opened the door, and there are 16 boxes of t-shirts. <laughs> plus like four or five boxes of flyers, plus some stickers that I would uh, uh, like ordered and so forth. Luckily, it was a big hotel room, but <laughs> I just could not stop laughing at this insane quantity of t-shirts that I bought. Not knowing, by the way, am I going to get rid of all of them, some of them, none of them. Like, I had no idea. And so the T-shirts cost me a total of, like, I don't know, uh, $5,000 or so. Um, so, okay. Now, the other thing is, if you're at a booth at a conference, there are people, in theory, coming up to you all the time. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. And so I realized, how in the world am I going to be able to service all these people at once? Um, so I decided to make use of my mailing list. I've got 11,000 people on my better developers list. And as a sponsor, I got three free tickets to the conference in addition to me. So I said, Hey, who wants a free ticket to PyCon in exchange for spending about 30% of your time at my booth? And I got a bunch of people to respond. A few of them seemed amazing. I interviewed them. Um, one of them, actually the amazing people that then like ghosted me. I never heard back from her after we had this great interview. So I chose another person and they were phenomenal and I could never have done it without them. So these guys, basically, we figured out a schedule at all, at all times. One of them was with me. And um, this meant that even if I was talking to someone, let's say someone came up to me and wanted to have a long conversation, I still had people dealing with like potential clients and leads and t-shirts and whatnot. So that was good. Um, so 
the other thing is, all right, so basically we spent, like, I spent Thursday night from, like, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday both from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and then Sunday from about, I think it was, like, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. That whole time, minus when I gave my talk, I was at the booth chatting it up with people. Um, my family is not surprised that I have the ability to speak for so many hours at a time. Um, <laughs> but but it definitely, like, it's good that I do trading and that I'm able to, like, talk in semi-coherent sentences for long periods. And it was non-stop. Non-stop. Like, there were little bits of, uh, like, rest here and there when I basically, like, wolfed down my lunch or something or ran out to do an open session or something. But as a general rule, people were coming over all the time. Now, let's say... I am, you know, marketing person for some company and they send me to a conference to do a booth. I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to be nice. I'm also going to be on my phone a lot of the time waiting for someone to come up to the booth and say, I want to know about your product. I had no such luxury. <laughs> and so I basically was the most aggressive booth person you have ever seen in your life. Like people, the way it works is people walk by your booth and they sort of look at you from the corner of their eyes, not wanting to make eye contact, and then they keep walking, <laughs> right? And the trick is to catch them and make eye contact with them when they do that and say, hey, and wave over to them. Hey, what, can, I, can I give you a free t-shirt? Can I tell you about Python exercises? I also discovered a very sneaky strategy, which is not to speak loud enough for them to hear. And then they come over <laughs> and say, hi, what did you say? <laughs> did you say Genius. something? What did you say? <laughs> I discovered this totally by accident. But I was like, oh, I should I should do it. And then I could give them a flyer. And I said, would you like a free T-shirt? And many people were like, no, 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 I've got enough T-shirts. Um, so then I like I came up with a few quips like, well, do you have any friends who might wear clothes? Um, <laughs> um, and on that front, I discovered I did not have nearly enough mediums. It turns out that the T-shirt sizes were actually very reasonable. And so I now have a huge number of large and extra large that I'll be bringing to PyCon next year that I ship back to my parents in Philadelphia. Um, but the actual, like, medium, I ran out real fast. And even small, like, you know, not I didn't have any. And so at the end of the conference, by the, uh, the way it works, by the way, is at most of these conferences, everyone has a badge. And the badge has a barcode on it. And so for $350, I rented a scanner for the weekend. And someone would come up, and it's clearly a quid pro quo. So basically, um, I scan them, so they've given me their data. I then give them a T-shirt. It has to be that sort of exchange, and everyone's sort of used to it. And here and there, there were people like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want my privacy, blah, 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 blah. But the overwhelming majority of people were okay with that. Now, there was a booth across from me. There's a very famous uh, editor called uh, PyCharm that's used by a lot of people. And PyCharm was super smart. And at their booth... It's done by JetBrains, which does a lot of other like programming editors. And they hosted a bunch of trainers and podcasters at their booth. So like for two hours, you could see these people. Two hours, you could see those people. And actually, it was very nice of them and very good for the people who were doing the booths. But let me tell you, the real currency at a conference is the data. And if JetBrains or PyCharm was scanning people, then they were getting the data. Whereas I was scanning people and I got the data. And so that is, I think, a clear distinction and something important. Like that's what I was paying the, you know, the big bucks for, as it were. Um, at the, by the end of the conference, I had 750 leads that I'd scanned, which means I gave away, let's say, 750, 800 T-shirts. Um, by the way, which I brought over in my rolling, rolling suitcase, little by little, in many, many trips. It's good exercise because I was like a kilometer or two away from the hotel or from the conference center. Um, gave away a lot. I think about 15 or 16 people came up to me from big companies wanting to talk about doing on-site training, um, which is like overwhelming. Uh, I mean, I've written to them. I followed up with them. Some of them have got responses. Some of them are going to follow up some more. And that's, by the way, a key to the success here is just like keeping following up. And I am 100% positive that I, whereas like before this PyCon, some people knew who I was, but the mind share that I had among like U.S. companies was very small. Now people definitely like know who I am. Doesn't mean they're going to give me a call first time they want to do training, but like I'm on their radar. What definitely helped was that I gave a talk. Like my one of my talks was actually accepted at the conference, and it so happened that I was one of the first talks. Like the conference was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I was Friday 10 a.m. right after the keynotes, and I said to myself, "Okay, I got to hit this one at the park. This has to be like the best talk I've ever given ever because." Like, it's going to be seen by a lot of people. 
And that's going to set the stage. And I like I do training all the time. I don't practice. Let's be honest here. I don't practice whenever I give a talk. This talk, I practiced a ton. I use slides, which I normally don't use because I want to be timed down to the moment. I practiced. I got up at one in the morning because of jet lag before I gave the talk. I like worked on it for three hours from one to four in the morning, went back to sleep for three hours, then got up for breakfast and everything. And it was totally worth it. People kept coming up to my booth. Like they had this association. Oh, you're the guy who gave the talk. And they remembered it and they were very complimentary about it. And it all sort of worked together. Um, now, in an additional piece of deviousness, um, I contacted the guy with the best known Python podcast in December or January after I knew that I was going to be sponsoring the conference. And I said, hey, you know, how we like met at PyCon last year. Would it be great if we could, I could be on your podcast and we could talk about it? So I knew that my podcast episode was going to drop sometime before PyCon. It dropped the morning of my talk on that Friday. So basically, <laughs> like, uh, like this guy who no one has ever heard of, suddenly, like, he's got a talk. He's got a booth. He's on the podcast. Oh, and I also am publishing my book with Manning, Python Workout. So I had them send me a poster um, that I could then put at my booth. And people saw the Manning book. And I was able to mention my talk as well. All of these things together made for, as far as I'm concerned, a huge marketing impact. And that's what I was aiming for. Because if I get even one course out of this in the US, it will all be made up for. Like all the expenses that I that I made, like that I laid out, will be more than reimbursed. So I haven't seen anything tangible yet, but I am convinced that over the coming months, it will totally pay off. This episode is sponsored by Paymo. You can check them out at paymoapp.com. And they are a terrific tool for tracking projects keeping track of time, and sending out invoices. So if you're looking for a solution that's sort of an all-in-one solution that allows you to do all of those things, to keep track of time, manage tasks, get paid as a freelancer, then check it out. If you're part of a larger team, they also have a team solution that allows you to manage projects across everybody, track all the time across everybody, and then send out the invoices the same way. It runs on Windows and Mac, and it works really, really great. You can get the task management view that's kind of like a Trello board, the time tracking is terrific, and you can look at uh, timesheet view. You can also just keep track of the time and see where everything went to. Um, there is a terrific uh, timesheet report, and you can also work on scheduling with your team and everything else. And then, like I said, you just send out invoices. Plus, they've got a terrific API so that if you need to integrate with other things like the Adobe Creative Suite or G Suite, which is uh, email and things like that, uh, you can do that too. And it also uses Zapier. So if you need to automate things through there, it's terrific. Just go check them out at paymoapp.com. Okay, that was a very long description. I'm sure I left out things, but I can now let you leave, ask questions or get a breather. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very interesting. How many uh, pounds of t-shirts did you have, do you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I think... I think that I calculated that it was like, what, like six ounces of t-shirt. So it was like, I think it was like 150 kilo, 200 kilo of t-shirts in the end that I had. Um, like it, it, it was like an insane number of t-shirts. And oh, and then it got even better. Like I, I was looking for more mediums. I was like, gotta have more mediums, gotta have more mediums. And the last box that I opened, my t-shirts were gray, like dark gray. I opened it and there's this bright blue or box of bright blue t-shirts. I'm like, that's funny. Maybe they got the color wrong. Then I see it's not my logo at all. And then oh, no. I see it's like some Jewish school in Detroit. And all I'm imagining is this t-shirt company saying, oh yeah, the Jewish shirts, send them out. <laughs> not, not, not realizing like <laughs> I had nothing to do with this school. So I emailed them right away and I said, oh guys, there's a bit of a problem here. And if you get back to me by Sunday, I can do something about it. But after that, I'm checking out the hotel. And I hate to say it, they didn't get back to me. I had nothing to do with these shirts. Like there was no way I could ship them somewhere. Um, so I, 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 I feel really bad for the, like for someone, for the school, for the t-shirt company. But like there were so many shirts that it was only like literally the last box that I got to. Um, I also note by the way that some hotels charge and some don't to get packages. And this one that I went to, I'll say the, the Drury Hotel, it's a small chain in the Midwest. Um, they did not charge. 
And so PyCon is in Pittsburgh next year. And I, I totally chose another Drury Hotel near the conference center because of that. Like their <laughs> service was exceptional. And I know that I'm going to be getting lots of packages. And I, I like, I know it's, it would cost me a fortune elsewhere. And so I'm just going to go with that. Nice. Uh, so could you talk a little bit about the different, I mean, I, you sort of touched on it earlier that you had basically two or three things that you had on offer at the booth, weekly Python exercises, your kind of self-serve courses, and then talking to people about on-site training. Um, how, what I'm curious about is kind of the mix of people that came to the booth and how well targeted they were for each of those things. Cause I imagine kind of the Python exercises and the self-serve course, those sort of are the same audience, both for both in terms of the people that are going to purchase or sign up and the people that, you know, the, the person that buys one of your self-serve courses is presumably the same person that's going to use that course. Whereas with your on-site trainings, I think you kind of, the people that take your on-site trainings aren't necessarily the people that decide to buy your on-site trainings. And like, how does, how did the, that mix of things affect who was coming to your booth and how you talk to them and what sort of pitch you could give them? Good question. So, um, I, so I had my flyer printed up, um, so that it said like on the, on the top of the, it was double-sided. And on the top of the uh, first page, it said, my services are one, corporate Python training, two, weekly Python exercise, three, online Python video courses. Excuse me. So um, when someone would come to my booth and they say, hi, like, what do you do? I would show them the first side and I'd say, well, you know, most days I'm on site at different companies giving corporate Python training at companies like this, but for individuals and for teams, and then I would flip over the page, I'd say, I have these offerings as well knowing that most people I was talking to were interested in part two. Um, but I figured the part one okay. maybe would catch their eye and part one would also uh, like give myself some additional authority there that they would believe me that my courses were worth taking if I was working with the clients who I listed there. Yep. Makes sense. Um, but like when someone would come over and say, oh, I work for like, you know, I'm the head of data science at such and such a bank. I didn't waste time telling you about weekly Python exercise and video courses, right? I was like, yeah. I was like, let's talk. Now he also had a booth there from this bank, um, and a bunch of his people had come <laughs> over to me previously, and they were like, "Have you talked to our manager who's here? Because this would really be useful." <laughs> so, like, at a certain point, he came over to me. So that was good, and uh, you know, we'll see exactly what happens on that front. Um, but sometimes I would sort of scope people out. Also, um, I was surprised that there were a lot of teachers there. I know that Python is being used in a lot of like educational facilities and like a lot of courses, um, but there were a ton of teachers and they turned out to be a great target for weekly Python exercise. All of them were like, oh, wow, my students were really like this over the summer or my, I could use this in my classroom. Um, and one guy said, yeah, uh, would you be able to like, you know, I have 80 students. Would that be okay? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that would be okay. <laughs> um, sign them up. Exactly. Now, now I thought I was being really clever in having a cohort of weekly Python exercise start a week and a half after PyCon ended, and another one that was like it was a beginner one, and then I've got an advanced one starting July second. Um, and that was a mistake, I think, that there wasn't enough reaction time, enough lead time for people to like. I thought it would be a great impulse buy. In the end, like mm -hmm. a few people signed up, but it wasn't overwhelming. So I'm sort of curious to see what happens in future cohorts with people signing up. So one thing I'm wondering about and listening to all this, and you know, I might be a little selfish in asking this, but if you were going to take what you've experienced and distill it into a playbook for, you know, other freelancers, um, maybe who had a different value proposition than training, different focus or what have you, like what would be, you know, the go, no go criteria for pursuing the strategy, do you think? And like, how would you recommend to kind of generalize it into a playbook? So look, first of all, it's a lot of expenses, right? You're pay, you're laying out a ton of money, and so it was like my my feeling was, as I mentioned before, yeah, I might get a bunch of people to sign up for my individual courses, weekly Python exercise, and the video courses, um, and that would be fantastic, and that might pay for things. But really, my goal is all I need to get is one course from a corporation, and that'll pay for everything. And so you need to figure out: Do you have a high end? Like, either do you have such a broad audience? 
and it's such a large conference that you can pay back the money from a low value proposition, or do you have a high proposition, you know, high value proposition uh, uh, um, product that you're selling, service that you're selling, that will make the outlay of cash worthwhile? That would be the mm. biggest thing for me. Um, unless, unless for you, just getting name exposure is important, right? If you're willing to shell out a bunch of money just so people will be like, oh, I've heard that name before. I don't think that's enough, right? But it's, it's a good start. Um, by the way, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I'm going to be going to EuroPython in Zurich in about uh, two months, at the beginning of July, I guess now about a month. And I decided not to get a booth there. Um, I, I decided I've got enough leads right now. I mean, maybe you could argue you can never get enough leads, but I decided it was exhausting. I got to see nothing else at the conference. And so I decided not to get a booth because like for a few thousand dollars more, I'm not sure if it would be worth it. Um, but I am going to wear, since I have a few of them, weekly Python exercise t-shirts all around and uh, have <laughs> stickers to hand out. And hopefully people will see that and want to do something with that. Interesting. So I, I think one thing that's worth articulating, you know, purposefully is that this worked for you because the people at the conference were your target market and not your competition. Like if you were selling Python programming services, you know, this might not have worked out the same way with people being enthusiastic about it, right? I, I agree 100%. I mean, there were a few companies there that were doing that kind of thing. And uh, not a lot, like two or three. And I, I, I agree that that was not like that's the wrong target audience for those like for that. If you've got that kind of company, then you probably want to go to conferences like like go to your vertical, go to a real estate conference, go to an aerospace conference and say, we do web development, we do app development, whatever it is. Um, yeah. In this particular case. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've paid money for Facebook lead ads. I'm doing it again now just like to get some more people on my list. And the amount of money I paid per T-shirt and the amount of money I pay on a good lead ad, I'm going to guess it's like somewhat comparable. Actually, the t-shirt was more, but I'm going to guess these are self-selecting leads. Like these are people who are really enthusiastic about Python. And so they're worth more than just a random person on Facebook who's saying yes to a, a you know, clicking on a box to sign up for my free email course. So if, if somebody were going to do this, do you see any ways like it, the outlay for the t-shirts was expensive? Like say if you're giving out flyers versus t-shirts, like could you save money on lead magnets? Like, you know, do you have any thoughts as to how people might vary their strategies there? Look, a bunch of people were sort of, shall we say, disappointed that I was giving out t-shirts. The thing to give out nowadays is socks. Heroku mm. and Google and a few others were giving out socks. Um, so like we were joking, like what other articles of clothing, like, are we going to get to the point where you get underwear at your conferences too? Heaven help us when we do. <laughs> um, like that, that was basically to say, like, and, and at first I was going to get 400 t-shirts. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go all the way with this. Like, I'm just going to buy a ridiculous number of t-shirts because I have no <laughs> idea how many I'm going to need. I can always use them next year. They're not going to go bad. Um, so that's a variable, right? You don't have to get t-shirts. There are plenty of booths there that didn't give out anything or gave out like a simpler or cheaper thing. Um, and I don't, I don't think at the end of the day, it's going to make that much difference. What I am hoping, of course, like everyone who gives out t-shirts is that people wear these things, you know, around the office or whether jogging or whatnot, and bo they'll both remember my brand and other people will see it, right? Basically turn people into walking billboards for what I do. But, um, will that really work? Time will tell. I don't know. So that's a, that's an easy place to save money. Yeah, the T-shirts are really sort of advertising budget as opposed to marketing budget. Uh, oh you know, yeah. If you if you care about that distinction. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll also mention like so I've I mean I've been in business for myself since uh, 1995, and this was the first time I'd done anything anything even close to this. And again, my volunteers were extraordinary. Helpful, polite, knowledgeable in every way. Like I'm so grateful that I could not have done it without them. But they still don't know how to sell my stuff as well as I do. Like at the end of the day, I've been doing this way longer than they have. And it's also me and it's my interest as opposed to they're just helping out. And so it was clear to me that like any – like the reason I stayed at the booth all the time was not that they were bad. but that I just had more experience than they did. And I was terrified that like some would show up from some big company – and they would talk to them. And because they didn't say like the right nuance or hook onto the right thing, it wouldn't happen. Um, so I would say having volunteers, crucial. Being there yourself also, 
equally crucial. Yeah. Having them there frees you up to be able to have those higher value conversations when they come along and not be stuck to, oh, I need to be handing out T-shirts. That's right. That's right. I mean, sometimes it would just like a crush of people. Yeah. um, In terms of like, I guess, measuring the ROI and forgive me if I miss this, but do you, when you have like inbound leads coming in, will you have an easy way of tracking whether it's the leads that you generated through doing this? Um, I will have, look, I have everyone's names and email addresses. Like you get a really detailed list. So when you sign up for a conference, you have to say, what's your name? What's your company? What's your email address? What's your home address? All sorts of stuff like that. So if someone comes in from one of these companies, um, I'm going to guess it probably was. But just earlier today, I got email from someone um, at a company uh, asking about training. And I was thinking to myself, huh, I wonder if she or anyone at her company, excuse me, was at PyCon. And I looked through the list and no. So I was able to like easily say no or pretty much easily say no. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, but when one does come in, it'll be pretty easy to identify, I think, because the company names and the email addresses. And these are people I have, like I added them to my drip subscription list, not to my, um, and I actually was was not, I, I decided that it would be a little in poor taste to say to someone, hi, it was great meeting you at PyCon. I'm going to send you email every week. Um, <laughs> like, like, so I sent them one note saying, hi, the discount, you know, the special PyCon discount code expires tomorrow. Uh, here are the links. Uh, and I got a few sales out of that. Um, so they're on my drip list. So if someone signs up for something and they're also at PyCon, then I'll know that. But if someone calls me or emails me, then I'll have to do a little bit of manual labor there. Got it. That makes sense. I'll also mention like, so when I signed up for my booths, I was sent these maps. Where do you want your booth to be? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like who, who cares? Um, so it's not hugely crucial, but it's definitely useful. Like there were definitely some people off to the side there where they got very little foot traffic. I did notice that I was across again from JetBrains, the PyTron people, and next to, like I was next door neighbors with Red Hat. Um, so that was nice. Like I knew people would at least stop by, like they would walk past us. Now, way more people were interested in JetBrains than Red Hat than in me. But once they're there, once again, I can sort of, you know, entice them to come over. So that was during the regular booths. During the job fair, I figured it would be great to be on the end because people are like going to be walking by the ends. I was half right. I should have been like, they, they had two long rows of tables and I should have been close to the middle where they met, not the end, which was like, you know, seen by many fewer people. I still managed mm-hmm. to give away, I'm going to guess, another like 200 t-shirts on that Sunday morning. Um, so like that was that was still a success in my book. But um, but I think it would have been a little more successful if I had a slightly better location. But that's the sort of thing that's hard to, hard to know. Hey, folks, I found a terrific tool for planning out your projects and setting timelines. It's actually terrific. If you've ever used a Gantt chart before, it's based on that, but it's got a whole lot of other great features. It's an interactive online project management tool for people who love planning with timelines and Gantt charts. The thing that I like about it is that I can actually plan things out and I can get a tentative timeline for what's going on. And then it's got a simple UI with drag and drop capabilities that make it really easy for me to adjust the timeline. And it'll automatically adjust everything else based on what is dependent on what is dependent on what. And it's just, it's terrific. Um, so the, the online process and learning curve are really, really short. It's a terrific fit for both individual freelancers and for teams. Project coordinators love the simple planning and other great features like workload, task assignments, deadlines, critical path, uh, baseline. Uh, teams use it for online co- uh, collaboration. To, you can leave comments, you can attach files, you can send notifications, the whole nine yards. Um, it integrates with Jira if you're using Jira. But the other killer feature for me was that you can actually switch it over and you can see it in a Kanban board view, which is awesome. You can get a 14-day trial at gantpro.com. You can also use their software development project template if that's what you're into. And that's at gantpro.com slash software dash development dash plan dash template. And if you use the code devchat, you can get $50 off for using Gantt Pro. So go check it out at gantpro.com. I'll also tell you like... <laughs> I, uh, I, so, so being at the booth for so long, of course, I didn't really get much of a chance to do swag. So I, um, so like every so often, like, I think, you know, 
twice or three times toward the end of the day, I would run around to a few other booths saying, listen, I hate to do this to you. I have a booth. You have a booth. You know what it's like. Can I just like get some swag for my kids and for me? And generally they were like, oh yeah, sure. And especially on the last day, they were <laughs> delighted <laughs> to get it off of their hands. Like, you want to take some t-shirts? How many do you want? Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, Microsoft were the only sticklers. I mean, I didn't get a chance to go to Google's booth. I'm sure they had good stuff. Someone said they had socks, as I mentioned. Uh, Microsoft was giving out uh, like hardware kits from Adafruit. Um, and I was like, great. And they said, yes, all you have to do is do one of our activities for the next half hour. I was like, so long, folks. I do not have that kind of time. And I ordered an Adafruit kit and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, <laughs> end of story. Um, yeah. So it was, it was fun. It was really, really exhilarating. And I'll mention also like the day after, two days after, I then spent time going through the leads. Oh, oh, I'll put it this way. The scanner is this like, you can get a cell phone. You can get a cell phone after the scanner costs less. The scanner was 100% worth it. It's fast. It's easy. It uploads all of your information to the cloud, as the kids say nowadays. Um, and then at the end, you get it emailed to you in CSV and Excel format. You can also download it. And that really contains everything you're going to want and need. Um, you can also uh, write notes. So when someone would come up to me and say, yeah, I'm interested in live training you know, at my company. So I would scan them and then I would type in a few notes to myself, just a word or two, like live training. And that would be enough that when I got the CSV, I could identify it. Um, you can then set like special codes that you want to associate with people. Uh, I almost did that. I'm glad that I didn't. It really, it would not have made a difference. Uh, and their default codes are like, lead right now needs wants to purchase right away lead within 30 days lead within a year something like that and and i was thinking of like mapping those to something else totally not worth it all you need to do is write a word or two and that's more than enough to uh you know to jog your memory at least in my experience well cool i'm gonna be interested to kind of hear over the long term how your results from it shake out and you know kind of see what you think about it six months from now or so uh, if you are still as enthusiastic about it Right, right. That's a good point. I can also tell you that my family, before I went, wanted to hear nothing ever again <laughs> about PyCon or T-shirts. I like <laughs> we. I spent way too many family dinners saying, "Oh, and I decided to do this and this and this," and they were like, "Okay, enough. We don't care." To her credit, though, my <laughs> wife did stick with me for this whole thing. Like she didn't go. Heaven help us if she did. But she did uh, go over the flyer and say, you should change X and Y and Z. They were all very good uh, suggestions. And I like for the flyer design, I found someone on Upwork who was great. I paid her like $100. It was so worth it. It was amazing. Um, and for the T-shirt at the last moment, my wife said, um, uh, you should put your name on the shirt. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. So we added my name. And uh, so like it seems a little egotistical to have like my name and my name tag right next to each other on the T-shirt when wearing it. <laughs> But, uh, but it was kind of fun and uh, I think helped with the branding as well. It sounds like a fun kind of whirlwind experience. That's for sure. And I, I, look, it could be that six months from now, as Jeremy said, I will say, wow, that was great fun and a huge waste of money. That definitely could be, but I don't think so. My gut feeling is like I, I've already been in touch with a few people from a few different companies who came to the booth and I talked to them. And um, so we've started the process. I know these processes take a long, long time. One guy from a huge company said to me, my company has a lot of divisions. I will get back to you in a few weeks. And then we will start, like, we can start maybe discussing how to even attack the problem. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a year before I get any training with him at best. But, like, the fact that we had a conversation, that I remembered him, that he remembered me, that I exchanged some email with him, all good. So if you're willing to be patient... Um, and I am for now, great. But I kept saying also, if I don't do this, I'm going to kick myself, right? Like, I'm just going to say, I'm sure it would have been great if only I'd done it. Yeah, and even if you can't, you know, conclusively track back everything to it, if it's effectively raised your profile in that community, uh, that's kind of a intangible that's hard to put a real price tag on. Right, I saw this, this very famous trainer in the Python world who I saw came up to my booth reached through some people, took one of my flyers, and then walked away. Uh, and I got like <laughs> some, some pretty cold vibes from him. Like, who are you and why are you invading my space? Um, and I mentioned this to someone. They were like, no, no, he's just always cranky. I was like, oh, no, I got like <laughs> like extra cranky vibes from this guy. But And I passed him at some point later in the hallway. I saw him sort of look at me and like walk past. So I, I really don't know what to think. I mean, it's such a huge market. 
really, really, you think I'm going to like get 100% of the Python training in North America in the future? I, I don't think that's likely. So there's plenty of room for everyone to have their own share and, uh, you know, to, to make a good living out of this. But yeah, yeah, like that was that was my sense that, hmm, I, I, I guess I have arrived if he's taking me seriously and giving me the cold shoulder. Um, so yeah, and I'm, as I said, like I'm, I'm totally psyched to do this for next year as well. And the big changes I'm going to make are either I'll print up more flyers and put them in the bag or print up fewer flyers and not put them in the bags. But like it was really painful to, uh, to have to like go and recycle this incredibly large number of pages. That and medium t-shirts, I would say, were the biggest mistakes I made. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy. If those are the biggest mistakes I made and this works out, then that's fantastic. All right. Any, any other questions I can answer? Mm, I can't think off the top. Yeah, I, I don't think I've got anything else. All right. So I will let you guys do some talking now and uh, we can move on to picks. Uh, Jeremy, how about you? Uh, yeah, I've got two sort of uh, recreational entertainment picks this week. Uh, one's a book that I've been reading called Interactive Composition, Strategies for Using Ableton Live and Max for Live. Uh, and it's been a fun thing that I've been working through that kind of uh, kind of allows me to combine my interest in music with my interest in programming and that sort of nerdiness. I've been learning how to do kind of randomly generated procedural music type stuff, uh, type the kind of thing that you might see as an accompaniment to an art installation somewhere, um, maybe that would take into account where people are located in the room or something to uh, alter, alter what you're hearing coming out of some speakers. Um, that's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and then the second pick is the uh, Chernobyl miniseries that's been on HBO. Uh, it's a five-part miniseries. Part four aired last night, so by the time you hear this, you can probably sit down and binge all five hours. Uh, it's really good. It's about the aftermath of the accident and the disaster recovery efforts. Uh, it's really, a really, really well done. Uh, I recommend it a lot. Good show. And that's it for me. How long is each episode of that? Uh, about an hour. Okay. Yeah, so it'll be five hours, um, and it gets into kind of the—I mean, a lot of it's sort of the the politics of the situation and how people all up and down the chain of command were sort of reluctant to uh, acknowledge just how bad the accident was, uh, both for political reasons and for uh, you know some of the nuclear physicists working in the in the plant were just absolutely convinced that this type of reactor just does not explode. It's theoretically impossible for this thing to have exploded. So it's not appropriate to take disaster recovery steps as if it had exploded. Uh, and then it turns out that, oh yeah, it, it exploded. It's as bad as we thought. Uh, oh my God. So it, it's a really interesting look at some of the human dynamics going on there about you know what people believe to be possible and how that shapes their outlook on the world. Wow. Wow. But it, it is not feel-good television. I will say that right now. You know, you, you spend most of the hour of each episode with kind of a pit in your stomach knowing that, oh, it's worse than these people know. Um, and that's, you know, not a fun feeling, but it's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it produced by, like, is it an American TV show or is it a Russian thing that then was sort of like redone on HBO? Uh, no, it's a, I think it's a British production. Most of the actors are British. Um, and, um, yeah, and I, I, I really don't know where it was produced. Very, very interesting. Wow. Very cool. Uh, Eric, you have anything a little more uplifting for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got some kind of fun here. Um, or two things, actually. The first one is I found, um, over the holiday weekend here in the U S at least, um, this site, retrogames.cc. So if you've ever wanted to play Nintendo and Sega and all these old, you know, game system games right in your browser without downloading or installing anything, that's exactly what this does. And even games that have like save your progress, it lets you like dump a little file um, that you download and then re-upload when you want to uh, play again. So I've been having some fun with that, playing like all these games from when I was a kid. 
and the second thing is not like a site or anything I can link to, but uh, one of the bad habits I'd kind of gotten into, um, you know, and this uh, it could be true in sort of any walk of life, uh, professional life, but especially when you have your own business, um, is I'd wake up in the morning and kind of grab my phone and I'd see the notifications. And so before I even am awake, I'm starting to like thumb through emails that have come in overnight and stuff. So I took the simple step of just putting my phone in airplane mode at night. And something about that prompts me not to start looking at it right away. And that has been a great cognitive relief. So I would recommend airplane mode for your phone overnight is my second pick. Um, and that's all I got this week. Huh. Although, you know, airplane mode still does Wi-Fi. I can on my phone. If I hit airplane mode, it by default turns that on. You can, or turns them all off. You can like um, selectively then in airplane mode, like re-enable Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Oh, very interesting. But yeah. I, so yeah, I guess maybe instead of airplane mode, the pick is, you know, whatever it takes, shut it down. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Didn't, didn't mean to nitpick there. Um, all right, and I have uh, I have a pick as well. So uh, as I mentioned, I, um, I give a talk at PyCon, and I normally, as I mentioned also, don't use slides when I'm giving my talks. I do live coding and typing. I decided this time I was going to use slides. And then I realized, huh, if I'm doing slides, maybe I should have one of those doohickeys that lets you walk around, because I like to walk around and push the slides forward. So I checked and I got delivered to me, thank you, Amazon Prime, uh, to my hotel the day before. And I got the uh, Logitech Professional Presenter R800. This was amazing. I mean, I've never used any of these things before. So it worked on my Mac, it worked with Keynote. Um, I was a little worried about the compatibility based on what I'd read. It was not an issue. I guess I had to start the presentation manually but then I was able to use its uh, buttons to move backwards and forwards. It has a laser pointer, which I didn't actually end up using, although I love laser pointers, so I guess I should have. Um, and it also has a timer you can set so that while you're doing the talk, so my talk was supposed to be 30 minutes, so I set the timer to be 30 minutes, and after 25, it started like vibrating in my hand, so giving me a, a silent reminder that I only had five minutes left, which is way better than those people holding up the five minutes left signs as you're talking. So um, if you need one of these, I very, very strongly recommend it. It was, it was great, and uh, I hope to use it many, many more times. And I guess that brings us to the end of this edition of The Freelancer Show. As usual, Jeremy and Eric, thanks very much. And thank you out there for listening to us. If, as always, you have, or as always, if you have suggestions for topics, suggestions for guests, things that we should cover to help you with your own freelancing, please drop us a line. We'll be happy to hear about it. And invite the appropriate person on. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week on The Freelancer Show. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.